When you ask God to send revival, you are presupposing that the church is in decline and dormancy and stagnation, that something has gone wrong and we need someone, capital S, to make it right. But in order for revival to come, and I'll speak about this just for a few moments, in order for revival to come, it has to first start in his church and in his bride. Listen to what J.I. Packer said. He said, revival is the visitation of God which brings to life Christians who have been sleeping and restores a deep sense of God's near presence and holiness. Then he says this, then springs a vivid sense of sin and a profound exercise of heart and repentance, praise and love with an evangelistic outflow. Those are powerful words and really an all-encompassing definition of really what revival does and what revival is and how revival needs to start with us. Now here's the question, why does, when we speak of that kind of revival, why does that revival have to start in the church, in God's church, and then move outside the doors? Because I believe, as we are believing for a billion souls to come in from around the world, we, we have to see God start with us right here. Why does it start here in God's house because God needs a holy, on fire, spirit filled church to send the newly saved to. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? Nothing could be worse than God setting people free from bondages on these streets and put them inside of a church that is full of bondages itself. Vance Havner said it like this. He said, Sunday morning Christianity sometimes is the greatest hindrance to revival. And we want God to break that. We want God to come again. That people, we want people, listen, we want people to experience Jesus and not church. I want people to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. I want people to sit here. And Pastor Carter and Brother Dave have seen it. We have seen it, and they're crying and not knowing why they're crying. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Charles Finney, who is considered one of the great American revivalists, said it like this. He says, when sinners are careless and stupid and sinking into hell unconcerned, it's time the church should bestir themselves. It is as much of the duty of the church to awake as it is for a fireman to awake when a fire breaks out in the middle of the night in a great city. That's why if you want a last day's revival, you need a last day's church to prepare for what God wants you to do. Let me show you what God's doing in this last day's church. Let me read to you Acts 2.17 and 2.18 as the apostle Peter prophesies on the day of Pentecost. And he says, and it shall be in the last days, God says that I will pour forth my spirit. Pastor Carter was speaking these very words to you today. I'll pour forth my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. Look at those words. Young men shall see visions and young women shall see visions. 
Old men and old women will dream dreams. And I believe for this last day's church, God wants dreamers and visionaries working together. God wants the young and the old in this last day's church. And the danger is becoming today as you're watching churches even polarize on age. You'll see, the, see a church full of all young people and, you're, and, and, and there's a danger to that. And there's a danger to a church full of old people like us. And so we need for God not to raise up a church that we want, but a church that he wants. Let me ask this question today. Who here is old? Would you just raise your hand and just hold it up high? Okay, I just, I'm just checking. I just, because I'm interested in your criteria. So I'm just, okay, old people, raise your hand. Old people. How many are young? Raise their hand. Okay, look at this. Look at this. I have 60 and 70 year old people raising their hands and just. Amazing. That's why we need a revival. We're so deceived. We're so deceived. Bringing these troops, these two groups together that are sitting in our place today is not only vital, but it's really supernatural because each of these group has a unique gift and each of these group have unique battles that they face. And that's why this is so important. But always keep this in mind. It was the great reformer, Martin Luther, who said this. He says, wherever God builds a church, Satan builds a chapel. Wherever God puts his church, there's also a satanic chapel that is going to begin to rise up. And Satan... Chapel has done a lot of damage to God's church to keep dreamers and visionaries apart. To have dreamers think, the young think that, that we, we know all of this. And then you have the visionaries who are so holding on to a past and dreamers going, you got to let go. Where they maybe need gratitude and they need some flexibility. And God begins to come and speak. Because if you take dreamers, the young, without the visionaries, the old, you get a bunch of people that protect the past and become irrelevant for the future. And they just shrivel up. But if you only have visionaries, the young people with skinny jeans and skull caps, and, they, and you, get, you get excitement and creativity without roots and stability. And they implode because their outside gets bigger than their inside. So let me speak to the young and the old and get us ready for this last day's church because that's what why is the young and the old that God puts in that last day's church the last day's revival, this is what I've been really praying about. I want you to write these down. The last day's revival will need four key elements in the church. Four key elements that will come from the young and the old, from the dreamers and the visionaries. The dreamers, the young, the visionaries, the old. There will, there, there will need to be these four elements as I've been just praying for what God wants to do, not only in my city, but for cities, for those that are watching from London and Manila. For those that are believing just in Sao Paulo and just all over the world that we want God to do something, these four elements, I believe, are going to be part of a last day's revival when God puts together those two groups and they start moving as a mighty army. There will be these four things. One, fearlessness and patience, wisdom and testimony. And then I'm going to explain those because each of those are unique gifts to each of those groups. Fearlessness and patience, wisdom and testimony. The dreamers provide the wisdom and the testimony, and the visionaries provide the fearlessness and the patience. Let me talk to the dreamers, aka the old people, for just a moment here. And let me talk to you about testimony and wisdom for just a moment. What is a testimony? It's not a phrase. I grew up, we, we, even here at this church, we grew up 
remembering Sunday nights called testimony service. And we'd hear, what is a testimony? A testimony is different than a biography. Biography always ends with a person and what they did. But a testimony ends with God and what God did in that situation. God is the star of a testimony and a person is the star of the, of the, of the biography. But the old saints where I grew up in the church used to always say these words. If there's no test, then there's no testimony. The test is what, God, what gives us the testimony. And you hear those words we, that we are talking about. You're going to hear them coming this October. We're dedicating all five Tuesday nights in October for telling tests and testimonies from in the midst of this congregation that will be spoken. Three and four stories every Tuesday night that you're going to hear the test and the testimony and what God has done. The basic plot line of a testimony is like this. It was bad, really bad. I was at the end of my rope. I didn't know what I was going to do. And out of nowhere at the midnight hour, Jesus stepped in. This is what he did. God be the glory. How many know that story in your life? It's just the way it goes. And having those stories in the church are so vital. David Wilkerson, when I was 27 and starting a church in Detroit, told me, he used to call me Timmy. He said, Timmy, pray for gray heads. Pray for cotton heads to come to your church. He called the old people cotton heads. He said, because those people know how God works. They know what God has done in the past. So when you're sitting here today and you're looking at your gray hair, don't color it. Leave it gray. It means you got a story. It means you have a testimony. It tells the visionaries, let me tell you what God has done for me. That's where the wisdom comes from. I was calculating, I was, I was using a calculator for my friends two days ago, not to see how many friends I had, but I was calculating their ages of the people that I have in my life now. And I was thinking of the gray heads that God brought in my life. One is 76, one is 73, one is 82, one is 88. And the youngest of my group is, is him. And he's 70. He's the young one of my group. But I, and, and the average, the median age of my friendships are 77. 77. And some of you are looking at me going like, is nobody, none of your peers will have any friendship or talk to you? No, no, no. I need testimony and wisdom. I don't, I don't, need, I don't need NFL and talking about, so I need testimony. I need their testimonies and wisdom in order to fight this battle. It just, after a little while going like, hey, how about those Jets? How about Aaron Rodgers? How about that? After a while, I don't need that. That won't get me through my next battle. But to hear what God is doing from those gray heads, that's what God needs. That's what we need. We need you to tell your story is what we need today. After preaching this last Sunday, one of the most um, controversial sermons I think I've ever preached on the letter X 
Pastor Carter called me and we, he talked to me and I told him, I said, it was the second service. I said, literally probably 20, 25 people walked out on me during the message. That, folks, listen, that doesn't bother me. If you walk out today, that doesn't bother me. But here's what he said. He says, Tim, don't even, this, then the gray head, the 70 year old spoke. He said, Tim, don't even worry. He says, dozens have walked out on me and brother Dave. Dozens have walked out. He says, but hundreds usually come back in their place is what they do. He said, keep preaching. But folks, if he's calling me to go, if he's calling me to talk about the jets and giants, that doesn't get me through. What gets me through is to hear the stories and the testimonies of who God is and what God can do. One person said it like this, our next generation leaders should walk in our footsteps, not in our shadow. And I thank you, Pastor Carter, that you've given me footsteps to walk in. Thank you that I'm not just walking behind a shadow. You've set a pace. You and Brother Dave have set a pace. We need their wisdom. We need their testimonies. And if all of your friends look like you, you've got some really dumb friends. You've got to move them up higher and say, I've got to get some old gray heads and cotton heads in my life. Let me talk to the young people for a second, the visionaries, about patience and fearlessness, because I've, I feel this next revival needs this. The world didn't see it coming. It was the release of two incredible Christian movies that caught the world by surprise, Sound of Freedom and the Jesus Revolution. No one knew what to do with these two movies, especially when the critics were just blasting Sound of Freedom, but couldn't deny that it was doing better than Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Because <laughs> these movies were speaking to something bigger than really exists. It was speaking of a people being fearless to rescue the helpless from sex trafficking. They saw something and said, it's touching a part of our heart. One youth leader said this, he said, if you babysit young people, you'll get babies. But if you lead young people, you'll get leaders. And that's what God has called us to do. That's what God is asking us to do. And I'm so thankful for people like Stan and Natasha, who you saw up here. And then in the weeks to come, we're going to get a chance. We're so excited to introduce you. We'll give you more bio and we're going to have a chance to pray um, of Gio and Sammy that just got in last night from California, who will be leading our high school group and, and our junior and, and, and Joe who's leading our junior high. We're so excited and we'll give you all that in the, in, the, in the weeks to come. But then there was Jesus revolution that gave us a glimpse of the Jesus people revival that happened 50 years ago. And I think it was a cry to this church where sound of freedom said that you need a fearlessness to begin to do something that nobody else wants to touch and everybody else is keeping silent on. But it was the Jesus revolution that, that basically told us, it was a cry to the church that there is, I think it was prophetic to remind us that there is coming a people, an ingathering into the church that is not going to look like Sunday morning Christians. Listen carefully, folks. There are masses that are coming in and have already started to come in, which is called the harvest. And it is going to call for a patience from his church with what they have gone through and the battles that they have faced. So let me say this from the beginning and let me just get all the visionaries, old people upset with me. So here it goes. Because I'm in between. I'm not sure. I'm not quite a visionary, but I'm not quite an old guy. I'm, I'm kind of a, 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 a whatever. But let me just say this. 
We, when people get saved, we want people to grow and look like Jesus, not like you and me and TSC. We need them to look like Christ. We don't want them to look, listen to me, those that are watching, we don't want them looking like, like your denomination. I don't want people coming to Christ and looking Methodist and Pentecostal. I want them to look like Christ. I want them conformed to his image is what God has called us to. I believe, listen now, listen, the present day church will soon be worshiping next to people that they are going to be uncomfortable with. You are gonna be sitting next to people that I'm telling you will not match what you think should be sitting in the red seat next to you or watching online that God is going to start saving people that are totally different, but it will be a genuine work of the Holy Spirit and what God is doing deep inside their hearts. And here it comes. An unprepared church for this will be a judgmental church. Because the next harvest will not look like the present day church people. He's got to rescue. Folks, the darkness that's out there today, the rescue work of the Holy Spirit, folks, they're coming out of hell, the bowels of hell. These aren't people just growing up in the church. They're growing up as atheists. They're growing up in a place that God is going to rescue them. They're going to sit next to you and still smell like smoke and weed. And you're going to go, how can they be saved with their hands lifted? You don't know what God is doing inside of their life. And God calling us to have the patience but the fearlessness to see God rescue them. The church is about to change with the next harvest. And I believe understanding Romans 14 and 15 is going to be the key for handling the end time harvest. Because the harvest of souls is always a disruption for the status quo and the, and the, and the comfortable. My friend from New Zealand, Winky Pratney, a youth evangelist, said it like this. He said, revival brings a holy shock to apathy and carelessness. It, it, it comes in and shocks the careless. Here's... Romans 14 and 15 is a shock to the church. It's a, it, it gives the church a challenge and that shock with, with that, that they were facing this huge hurdle that they were facing that we are facing today. Listen to what it says. He says, he doesn't call them young and old, he says, but he, it's a harvest church. He calls it in Romans 15, 1 and says, now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Paul was describing two kinds of people that will be in this new church. He says they'll be the strong and the weak. And he says, and they have to. And the strong could have the opportunity to overpower and forget the patience that we need to have with the new harvest. The strong will have the biggest weight of responsibility. And Paul's challenge to them is this. He says in Romans 15, 7, he says, therefore accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. It seems that when you read the life of Jesus, the worse the people are, the more easy they became around Jesus. It's just amazing to me. In contrast, Jesus got his chilly response from the religious crowd. The Gospels I was reading mentioned eight dinner parties and only three of them were with friends. The other five, I'll just label it this way, were sinner dinners. They just, they, Jesus showed up for sinner dinners and only did three friend dinners is what he did. Because here's what the good news is. 
When God starts saving and starts working in his last day's church, when that revival, when that remnant, when the judgment comes, remnant is rising, and you start to see the cleaning of God's house and revival begins, here's the good news. Jesus never met a disease he couldn't cure, a birth defect he couldn't reverse, a demon he could not exercise. But he did meet the religious who he couldn't convince. He can set demons and afflictions free, but they were religious that he couldn't turn at that point. May God help us here as the church of Jesus Christ. It's as Spurgeon said, the local church is the hope of the world, and may we see that. May we realize that this is going to be the place, not this only, but his church. If judgment is coming and a remnant is rising and the church is being cleansed for revival, then how does fearlessness, patience, wisdom, and testimony develop? And I want to give them to you today. Just two, two quick things that I want to give to you in these next 15, 20 minutes. 30 minutes. Could be a little longer, but I'll do, I'll do my best. So I want to speak for the visionaries. That's the young people. That, that it's this. So here, let me, let me and, I, and it'll make sense when I get there. Because I want, to, I want you to get young and old today to hear this challenge for what God wants to do. Because I believe this is vital in these last days. So for the visionaries, there are three people that you must meet, and I'm gonna show them to you today. And for the dreamers, there are two trees that you must know about today. And that will be from Psalm 92. The three people you're gonna meet are gonna come from someone's life, and the two trees are gonna come from Psalms. So let me give a challenge to the visionaries today, the young people. I'll give you the criteria. If you're 35 and younger, you're young. Someone's already offended. See, that's the problem with the church of Jesus. You can't, anytime you put some, this is what happens. That was from a 36-year-old. I guarantee you that was going. Here is the horrible poison that is coming to our society and is already here. Listen to it. It's, the, it's not only the last day's church, but the last day's attitude that's coming. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious, gossips, without self-control, brutal, Haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. Now, you look at what Satan begins to unleash on society, but here's the good news today. I want you to get this down from the verse that we just not only read, but the first verse that we read. As Satan unleashes his worst, God will unleash his best. As Satan unleashes his worst, 2 Timothy 3, God unleashes his best, and it shall be also, here it comes, we just read it, but it really, proved, it really will help us to read it again. So in the last days, difficult times will come, but we just read this. But also in the last days, God said, I'll pour forth amongst all the poison that is happening, I'll pour forth my spirit also. In the, do you see what's happening? The last days is the unleashing of Satan's worst poison upon society and attitudes. And God goes, I'm going to unleash the best people that I have. 
I'm going to pour forth my spirit on all mankind. Sons and daughters shall prophesy. They're not going to be the ones that are disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and unloving. But I'm going to raise up sons and daughters that are going to stand up like Daniels and Josephs and Esthers, and they shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions, and your old men shall begin to dream dreams. And so I'm telling you, for those young people, those visionaries that are sitting here, whether you're in high school, college, whether you've started your career, I want you to listen to this almost old man that's speaking here today. I preached messages like I did last week because I'm fighting as an old man for this young generation to be raised up in these last days, not to be brought into 2 Timothy chapter 3 in that group, but I want to see you raised up in the second group, in the Acts chapter 2 group, that you shall prophesy, you shall stand up, and God will begin to use you. But in order to do what you are called to do, you have to meet these three people in your life. Jesus didn't save you just so you can go to church on Sunday. He has saved you for so much more. And the person that I've seen in the Bible that probably shows us second to the life of Jesus, that gives us the bio of what God does in someone's life from teen to destiny is David. David, David, who was a more than a, we would call it today, a platinum musician, over one million units sold. David had billions of sheet music sold. It's called the Psalms. He was an army general, a politician, royalty, national leader, shepherd, armor bearer. But he was a Christian when he did all this. And David needed three people in his life to make him who he was so he can do what God called him to do. Here it is. Don't miss this. This is so vital for visionaries today. Here it comes. Write down these three things. Here's what you do. You need a Samuel to listen to, a Goliath to conquer, and a Saul to forgive. I'm telling you, I know the Holy Spirit's... Listen, visionaries, young people... Uh, for my for whoever screamed over there for 36 and under listen to me carefully because I believe that this is the challenge for visionaries today you need a Samuel to listen to a Goliath to conquer and a Saul to forgive number one if you need a Samuel to listen to Samuel is the one who found called and identified David when his own father forgot about him when his own father pushed him aside, God raised up a spiritual father in his life. Samuel, listen, listen now, visionaries. Samuel is the godly voice in your life. Samuel sees the future on us before we can see the future on us. Samuel is the one that will speak about the future and what God has called you to do. It's the one that I'm always asking those, those group of men that I, I, I've told you about. Those are the ones that even at my age, I still will go, Pastor Carter, what do you think I should do here? What do you think I should do to all the other gentlemen that God has put in part of my life? I tell Pastor Carter all the time, I said, I don't, I, I don't need you every day, but I just need to know you're available every day. I just need him about two to three times a year when the battle comes in. I said, those, the, those are the big ones. But I said, but you got to be available for 365 because I got because I've got to, I need a Samuel to talk to even at my age. And can I just help you old people today? I'm, I'm in between. So, I'm, I'm, but listen, even old people need wisdom and a Samuel in their life. Even old people do. Listen, listen, visionaries. Job 8, 8 through 10. 
ask the former generation and find out what their ancestors learned. For we were born, oh, this is great. We were born only yesterday. Joe, Job has really just killing you here. And we know nothing. And our days on earth are but a shadow. Will they not instruct you and tell you? Will they not bring forth words from their understanding? Learn, get a Samuel you can begin to get wisdom from. Number two, you need a Goliath to conquer, 1 Samuel 17. This is tough for your generation because I'm part of the parent group that try to stop the Goliaths from coming in. We try to hold them back and keep them and fight for you instead of letting, letting you fight those Goliaths. Parents and teachers have, and, and, and I, I, I'm in the group sometimes, parents and teachers have fostered these environments that everybody wins. Nobody gets cut from the team. Everybody gets a trophy. Folks, I, I'm telling you, no one, no one gets cut. Every, I remember looking one time at my youngest daughter. This is some years ago. My youngest daughter's closet. She had 17 trophies. 17 trophies. I'm going like, where, where did you get this? How did you get And she goes, I, I, this is from participating there. This is from eighth place here. This is from eighth, eighth place. I said, they give eighth place trophies today? Here's what we called eighth place, loser. That's what we called eighth place. So I need wisdom in my life. There's a new legislation now being voted for your kids. It's called, they're trying to pass, it's called the equitable grading scale. Nobody gets zeros anymore and you can retake tests that you fail. I said, where were you when I was in school? I was going like, retake a test. It was when, when, when we did bad on the test, it was because we didn't study. That's what it was called. You need something bigger than you so you can depend upon God for. You need something larger than you. Goliath means a cause. It means a mission bigger than you can even handle unless God shows up. That's calling your name, whether you're fighting the sex trafficking like Cry for Freedom, whether there's a burden for orphanages or inner city youth, whether there's working with migrants and believing for God to touch them or working with nations around, whatever that may be, there's Goliaths that are waiting for you and everybody else would say it's impossible. Everybody told David, you can't do it. And that became his story. I can't get in the way of my four children. When God puts a Goliath, I sometimes want to fight for them. And God says to, to Cindy and I, back off. And this is them now having to depend upon God themselves in this situation. And finally, the one that I feel the most is this generation is going to have to forgive their souls. First Samuel 18, 16 is the Samuel. 17 is the Goliath, 18 is the Saul. Listen to this, get this down. Saul was a bigger threat to David's future than Goliath was. Goliath could have taken his life, but Saul could have taken and destroyed his soul. He could have destroyed his soul with bitterness and forgiveness. Think about it for just a moment, because this was a, this was a crossroads for him. The man that was promoting David became jealous of David. The man that gave him a job was the man that tried to kill him. And in this journey, 
You are going to be hurt. You are going to be offended. You are going to be crushed. But that crushing is character forming. The, the, the crushing and the hurt is a deepening of the Holy Spirit. David faced, listen, now let me just say this. You don't fight Saul, but you fight through Saul. You, you, you stand, because here's the issue. David faced Goliath for one day, but faced Saul for almost 13 years every day. Every day. The thoughts, the person was always there. And that's why I'm telling you, listen to me, visionaries. Listen to me, young people, that God is raising you up in this church. Character is not made by defeating a giant once. It's not made by just going, I don't smoke anymore. I don't do this anymore. I've stopped doing this. But it's by defeating Saul every single day through forgiveness. It's by declaring forgiveness. And this is where God is really wanting to raise up. Because I've never seen more people that have been hurt, scarred, and crushed. And God's going, but you're going to have to learn forgiveness. And you're going to have to begin to learn to let it go and leave them in God's hands. You're going to have to let go of vengeance and grip hold of forgiveness to be part of this last day's church. That's why some of you young people today are going to have to go, Samuel, I'm coming for you. I'm going to find you, and you're going to give me wisdom. And some of you young people need to say, Goliath, look out. Here I come, because I know God's put something deep inside my heart, and you need to declare today, Saul, I forgive you. You're not going to control me, my future, and what has happened to me, but God is now in charge of my life. God is raising up a last day's church. God is raising up visionaries. God is going to take you young people. God is going to take you college students, those that have just started a career, those that are finishing up their master's and their PhD. Listen to me. God is going to put Samuels in your life. God is going to give you lot Goliaths to conquer by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God is going to teach you to forgive in these last days because God has a bigger purpose for you today. I believe it today. All right, now on to us old people. Here we go. How many are old? Would you raise your hand? Now it's gone down. The numbers have gone down in this place. Here we go. My favorite old person, my favorite old person story I was reading about it was a reporter was interviewing a 104, 104-year-old woman and said, what is the best thing about being 104? And she said, no more peer pressure. She said, because there's nobody my age anymore, so there's no more peer pressure whatsoever. I was reading Billy Graham's last book some years ago when I would even put myself in the visionary class. The last book that Billy Graham wrote was called Nearing Home. It's a book that you would think dreamers would read, but I was reading it as a visionary. And Billy Graham, as he was approaching heaven, wrote these words. He says, God, he said, has a reason for keeping us here. Old age, he said, is not for sissies. But that isn't the whole story, nor did God intend for it to be. And Graham said this, while the Bible doesn't gloss over the problems we face as we grow older, neither does it paint old age as a time to be despised or a burden to be endured. He said, with gritted teeth, if we still have any. He said, 
nor does it picture us in our latter years as useless and ineffective, condemned and to spend our last days in an endless boredom of meaningless activity until God finally takes us home. Instead, the Bible says that God has a reason for keeping us here. If he didn't, he would have taken us home to heaven far sooner. I was reading these words because I think this is so important. Why your second half is so important. Because you're never safe until you're home in heaven. There's always a fight. There's always a battle. You're never safe until you're home. There's so many detours. And finishing well is vital. When I read this, when I, read this I said, God, please never, never let this be me. As one of, the, one of the great literary writers, Oliver Wendell Holmes, wrote, he says, many people die with their music still in them. Still in them. He said, why is this so? He said, too often it's because they're always getting ready to live. And before they know it, time runs out. Look at those words again. They die with the music still in them. I pray to God that whatever he's put inside of me, that it is left out, that everything comes out that God has put. And for you too. God, God brought you here to finish this race. Remember the story of the 1968 Olympics. It was, it was just coming to my mind this morning of Stephen Akari from Tanzania who competed with 74 other runners. And, and Stephen wasn't even a good runner. And while he was on the race, they said he fell uh, and then uh, ended up that he came with, with his accident and dis, had a, a joint uh, dislocated. But he continued to run entered the stadium when every runner has already left. They did the medal ceremony already. And there's, there's, they said there's a few thousand people left in a stadium that sits tens of thousands. And in the dark, Stephen Akari comes through it, limping all the way to the finish line. The 1968, and he finally gets through with just a smattering of applause. Everybody else has gone home, gone to dinner, and got their medals. And they said, why did you finish this? Listen to what he said. He said, my country didn't send me 7,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 7,000 miles to finish the race. And that's what we're called to do. That's what I'm called. That's what you're called to do. Listen, old people, we're going to finish this race and do what God has asked us to do. That's why here's the good news. As Andrea Boyson said, he said, how can I do it, Pastor Tim? Here it comes. If you woke up breathing today, congratulations. You got another chance to get this one right. How many are breathing today? Would you just raise your hand? Okay, half of you. We're going to get through this thing. Isn't it amazing that, that we learn in science class that Juan Ponce de Leon was looking for the fountain of youth to make old people stay young. And what he found it was Florida. Think about that. That's what he got. He ended up with Florida. So us New Yorkers are going like, yes, Florida, the fountain of you. That's, okay, let me tell you what that's called. That's called the American dream. We don't, we want God's dream for us. That's what we want. American dream. 65, I don't have to work anymore. And we go to Florida. No, 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 no. Our 
dream is, God, what do you want for us? What are you asking for us to do? So here it comes. Let me give it to you. Because this is something so important, what God is asking of us. It's what God is wanting to do inside of us. This is what I'm asking God to help me. It's Revelation chapter 1 Verse 14 is a description of Jesus, but I'm asking God even to help me have this inside of me. The Apostle John describes Jesus, said his head and his hair were white like wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. Look at that. Look at the description. That's what I'm asking God to do for me. I'm saying, God, when my hair gets white, put a fire in my eyes. See, white hair and fiery eyes, that's wisdom and that's zeal. That's the, that's the fire that comes to us. Some of, you, some of you that are sitting here today, that's what I'm praying for. That's the challenge. That I don't just simply want to rely on the white hair of experience, but I want the fire in my soul and the fire in my eyes again. And how does that come? Here it is. And this is what we close with. Mark, you can come. Listen to this. I found it as, as visionaries, here it comes, as visionaries have to meet those three people, a Samuel to listen to, a Goliath to conquer, and a Saul to forgive. I said that those of us old people today, Mark, how old are you? 54, 54 you're old. So because <laughs> you're in the visionary group. No, you're a dreamer, we're dreamers. Ricardo, how old are you? 57? Totally old. <laughs> come on, I want the two old guys out here. Come on, Ricardo. Come on, the two old guys. Come, come, come join. I'm 59, so I'm, I'm like these guys. <laughs> Listen, I want to see these guys. I want, I, when I look at them, let me tell you what I see. I, They don't have the white hair like I do, but let me tell you what I see. I still see the fire in their eyes. I see the fire in their eyes. I see the. When I see Pastor Carter, I have. Listen, I look at him. There's a fire inside of him. There's a fire that that comes from him. When I watch Pastor Teresa train those young people at Summit, passing the baton, there's a fire in her eyes. There's a fire in her eyes. There's a fire that's there. I see it amongst our elders. I see it amongst, I see it amongst so many of you. I see it in our choir. I look up there and I see the white hair, but I also see the fire in your eyes. And I see what God is wanting to do. That's what God's calling. But how does it happen? And this is what I told you. I said, not only do you need three people to meet, but there are two trees that you need to become acquainted with. It's from Psalm 92. It's the palm tree and the cedar tree. Let me tell you about them because this is what gives you the story to tell. Let me read it to you. The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They will be planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of the Lord. Here it comes. I I love this. Here it comes. Get ready now, dreamers. They will still yield fruits while you're collecting AARP cards and social security, you'll still be yielding fruit. And here it comes, I gotta talk to you about this. They'll be full of sap and really green. Here it comes. 
What are they, they going to do? They're going to tell the story. What's the story? They're going to declare the Lord is upright. He's my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him. That's the story they got to tell. I got a story that we're going to tell today. There's a story that God is going to tell. Come on, how many old people got a fire in their eyes today? Going, don't be deceived by this. There's something burning deep down inside of my soul today. Hallelujah. Okay, but I have to tell you that. Okay, stand up because I need to pretend that we're leaving. So here it is. Here it comes. Why are these trees important? Here it is. And then we end right here. Here's what's amazing about these palm trees. You ready for this? Palm trees. I, I have to give you this. This is good for us. This is going to be good. Elder Vicky, I know I'm not. You, you, oh, every woman is a visionary. You're young. You're young. You're young. You're young. You're old. You're old. Okay, so stay with me. Old people stay over here. Okay, just stay right over here. Cedar and palm. Cedar and palm. Here we go. Listen. Something about these palm trees, why they chose this. This is what they said. They said one, the palm tree is able to grow in the harshest environments. And number two, when they go through storms, they bend, but they don't break. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> they said, this is what they said. The palm trees... They said they can survive in the desert because their roots go down deep. And even in a desert, when it's dry all around them, they're producing fruit when everything else is dying. He said, you've learned to be put in harsh environments and fruit to still come out of you. And they said, and when those sandstorms come, they said, those trees... They'll, get, they'll bend over sometimes. They said, but when the storm is over, boom, right back up. And they're going, I'm still here. I'm still here. Hey, think of the storms that you've talked about. Think of the storms, Mark. Think of your storms. And when those things blow us, I've watched. I've watched. I've heard his story. I've watched these stories. And when this has happened, Elder Vicky, we talked about it. And when those storms come and they're blowing you off, you'll bend, but you won't break. You'll get poured over. And when that thing, when that thing goes, you're going, here I am, here I am. And then all of a sudden, you'll start to declare those words. You'll start to declare, the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him. Okay, here it is. But I have to tell you, my favorite one, the cedars of Lebanon. Here it is, the cedars of Lebanon. They, this is what they said. They said, what is inside of them is greater than what attacks them from the Listen to this. I, 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 I searched it out in two sources. This is what it says. It says, their bark and wood and cones and even leaves, they said, are so saturated with sap. Here it is. When parasites and bugs come to bite and suck it away they die from the richness of the sap they said their systems can't handle eating that kind of sap so they come to take a bite out of you but what they didn't get realized is when they took a bite out of you they didn't know what was inside of you at that point 
I'm telling you, listen. He was saying, as you get older, you're gonna have so much of Jesus inside of you. When people take a bite out of you, they have no idea. Bitterness isn't coming out. Listen, anger is not coming out. Vengeance is not, but Christ starts coming out of us. Something starts to come out. And I'm telling you, listen to me. I'm telling you, bite, bite, come, come in. Take a bite out of me, you're gonna hear Jesus. Take a bite out, oh, we don't like that, Pastor Tim. He preaches like this, he spits on everybody. He does all this, let me just say, take every bite you want. Post, listen, let me talk to the people online. Post, write whatever you want about me. Take the bite out, I'm telling you, I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me in this place. I know he's in here. There's not a bite you can take. I'm part of a last day's church. Believing for now, I got a story to tell. Woo! And here's my story. I've been young, and now I'm old. But yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or their descendants begging for bread. Hallelujah! Listen to me, young people. Listen, 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 listen to us. I've been young, and now I'm an old man. In, In December, I'll be old. I've got about 200, no, not even that. Oh my goodness, I've got like 90 days and then I'll be old. But I'm telling you, I've never seen the righteous forsake. Oh, there's seed begging for bread. I've never seen it. And what David was saying was, here's your story. Here's your story to all you big trees out there, your cedars and your palms. God will never fail you. He's always there. And he will always provide. My son is here today. He sent me a text about a situation that he was working with an individual. He says, Dad, he says, what do you tell somebody that maybe is angry with God with the circumstances that have happened in their life? And I told him, I said, Christian, sometimes people aren't old enough to get the distance from that situation to see what God is doing in that, in, in through all of those things. And it's easy visionaries, young people, to, to go, God, God is not good, God doesn't care. That's why the old person, remember? The old person declares, there's no unrighteousness in him. There's no unrighteousness. Because we've got distance and we go, that's what he was doing. That's why he was, it's easy to declare unrighteousness in him when you don't have enough a distance from that back. So what do I do, Pastor Tim? So here, let me talk to the young people on this side. How old are you? Oh, you, you're still young. You're still young. I'll keep you in the you, How old are you, Jules? 25. These are babies. So you'll find, what about, I'll, I'll stay over here. So, so what you do is when you start facing that moment, and those words want to come and say, 
oh, I don't understand God. What is he doing? And you get angry with God. What do you do? Talk to these three because they'll declare he is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him. So the visionaries have to talk to the dreamers, the visionaries. So as you're sitting here, whatever group you're in, I'm smart now. I've gotten wise in the midst of all this. I've gotten wise in the midst of all this. I finally have realized what you do is you finally, I know you're young, JD. How old are you? 40. 40. You're old. 50. Senior citizen. So all of you, and JD, you are what? 23, 20, 40, 50. So when you want in a process and you're going, what do I do? I talk to the, I talk to the dreamers because what I'm finding out is, is God doesn't seem to care. He's there. So listen, listen to, to listen to this old man today. When someone takes a bite, when someone takes that bite, what's there? If Christ is not in you, I'm telling you then what's going to come out is your sad story. What's going to come out is what everybody has done to you. And if you're sitting here today, listen, you're not, you're not hard to spot because this is how you stand in church. Some of you think like you're masking it. You're so easy to spot. You're so easy. So easy. That person laughing there is laughing at the person next to him saying, you got caught. You got caught. So easy to spot. Because when the bite comes, the stories come, the junk comes, everything else comes out. And this is the day that goes, God, fill me again. Fill me. Put inside of me. God, I just don't want that white like wool hair. I want fire in my eyes. I want fire in my bones. I want the presence of God. And I want him to come. I take a bite. I'm just telling you. <laughs> so, I, I don't even know if he's still here today. I told, I told Elder Chukes and Ricardo about this. When I walked in today, precious man, and I, and I had I felt a bite come out. Just something came out and I responded the wrong way to an individual. I don't even know if he's still here today. I'm just looking because I know he's, he, was, he may have left. Did he leave? Do we know? We don't know. And this, and whatever the story was, I, something, it wasn't bad. It just, something came out of my mouth. It was just like, and I'm going, that wasn't sweet. I, I got more sap than that on me. So I had to come down that aisle. I found him praying over there. I said, listen to me. I said, please forgive me. I don't even know who you are, but please forgive me. I said, I, I shouldn't have responded that way. Please forgive. And once in a while, someone will bite a part of you that there's no sap. And they'll just get, and you're going like, not your fault. I gotta get sap in that section over here. How many know what I'm talking about? Because they know where to bite. They know where to bite. They know where to bite. And I did. I had to come down and go, please forgive me. And and I didn't go through my sap talk with him, but I just had to realize. How many know there's I need to get refilled. I need just, I need God to come. If you're just going, God, fill me. Put a new fire inside of me. 
If that's you, just get out of your seat. Say, just fill me right now, quickly. Just get out of your seat. Just go, God, fill me. Get out of your seat. Just go, God, I need to get filled. I need to get filled. Whether you're a visionary or a dreamer, balcony, main floor, get out of your seat. Let's just sing something as you come. I want to pray for you. Come on, Ricardo. Come on, you come. I want to pray for you and then we close. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands and just say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. God, we're desperate for you, God. Father, there is something. We believe judgment is coming. We believe a remnant is rising. We believe you're cleaning your house. And those are just the marks of revival. Those are the marks of revival. And I pray for these precious men and women that are at this altar right now. Those that are listening online from around the world and around the country, we're saying, fill us, God, to overflowing. God, for the visionaries, for the visionaries and the young people, I pray, send send them Samuels, oh God, in their life. God, I pray that, Lord, they would have a fearlessness against every Goliath. And I pray in Jesus' name that today is a day of forgiveness over every Saul, a day of forgiveness. And now, Lord, I'm asking you, Father, for us, for us, Lord God, that are dreamers, I'm praying for cedars and I'm praying for palm trees in this place. God, we may get bent over, but God, we're standing right back up. We bend, but we don't break. We flourish when nothing else is, everything else is dead. And God put a sap inside of us that whenever a bite comes, we say there is life inside of us today. Oh God, come with your power. Come with your power today. We are desperate, we are desperate, we are desperate. In Jesus' name. Now listen, before we leave this place, we're gonna sing this. What a great song, what a great song. We're gonna sing this before we go, but I have to ask this question. You, you don't get the, seed, the, the sap of the cedar until Christ is inside of you. Sin, listen to me. Sin doesn't age well. You don't see many happy old sinners. It's just true. Because sin doesn't age well. It doesn't, it doesn't go with you well. So how do I fix that? You got to start by getting Christ inside of you. Christ has to come. And you may be here today and you're in church 
but Christ is not inside of you. I want to invite you to the most important relationship you can ever have. Here's the most important question anyone can ever ask you. Have you been born again? Have you been? Not, it's not a Times Square church word. It's a Jesus word. And Jesus was saying, if you want, here he says, no man can see the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. Kingdom of heaven is not just eternity. It's even right now. You don't see the palms and the cedars. You don't see the forgiveness come until you've received forgiveness. And that can happen right now. Every head could be up. Every eye could be open. What is born again, Pastor? Born again is simply this. Just as you had a first birth physically, you need a second birth spiritually. It's as simple as ABC. It's A, admitting that I'm a sinner. That, that inside of me there is a brokenness that I can't fix. There's not a prescription or a program. There's not a promise I can make, a priest, a pastor. I need someone from the outside to forgive me. That's the B word, believe. Believe that God sent the help from heaven to, for, to change that condition in me called sin. That Jesus would come 2,000 years ago, die the death I was supposed to die, live the life I couldn't live, and give me a reward I don't deserve, and finally see confessing him as Lord. That means it goes beyond religion. Jesus didn't die and rise from the dead to get you to church. Jesus died and rose from the dead to get you to eternity forever. That's what he's come to do. I'm going to pray a born-again prayer. I want to pray a prayer that says I'm going to start a journey with God today. I'm going to start a journey with God today. Wherever you're at in this place, online or in person, if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that prayer, would you include me? If that's you, without any hesitation, hold up your hand high. Say, put me in that prayer. Hold them up high. Hold them up high. Yes, 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 yes. Anybody in the, gotcha, there, 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 there. Keep those hands up. Balcony, anybody in the back? Yes, 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 yes. Back there, gotcha, gotcha. Come on, online, just type the word decided. Pray this with me right now. Pray these words. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. The Bible is my guide. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.